I was looking up some of the statistics for audiobooks, and the Audio Publishers Association mentioned that about 55% of audiobook readers, and that's of the population who reads audiobooks, which is a growing population, and I think it's forecasted for like double-digit growth. So a lot of people are, are reading more and more audiobooks. But of those people who are reading them, they said that 55% of them uh, listen to audiobooks at home and 30% or so listen to them in the car or on a commute. And so I was kind of surprised by that because I figured more people would listen to audiobooks while they're commuting. Hey, welcome to Bookish, a casual book club. It's me, Kofi. <laughs> Hi. Hi, it's Laura. And Sylvia. And today we're going to be talking about audiobooks and how it enhances our reading and listening and understanding of various kinds of text. I sort of pitched this topic because I was a at a conference and it made me think about how listening to narration enhances my reading of a book or even my appreciation of written word even more so because it almost is kind of like transcendental with the word I used, which seems very fanciful and spiritual, but it's more like it sort of lifts me out of wherever I am. So if I'm in the car and I'm driving, or even if I'm in the house and I have my earbuds and I'm listening, it really so much depends on the narrator and his or her voice and how they use inflection, intonation, all these things that happen even when we're reading, but we're not always cognizant of. So that's where we want to start. And I know, Laura, you listen to a lot of audiobooks, especially fiction. So in your listening, what happens when you're listening to audiobooks that differs than when you're actually reading the same kind of book? I guess that would be the opening question. So I actually started listening to audiobooks exclusively nonfiction. And I think it started with my habit of listening to podcasts, lots of podcasts, and they were all nonfiction. So then I started listening to nonfiction books. And for a long time, I actually had a hard time listening to fictional work. I had a hard time following the story <laughs> for some reason. Whereas like nonfiction work, it was easier to follow the explanation of concepts and ideas that were abstract or informational. But something about sort of creative storytelling, I had a hard time following it. And I do think it's one of those things you train your ears and your brain to get better at because now I really feel like I don't have a whole lot of time to just sit and read. So I have been listening to fiction on audiobooks now and I'm much better at it. I can follow it. I just, I have to stop turning it on when I go to bed because then like 17 chapters will go by after I fall asleep which is not good. So yeah, I, I, it's great. So I can listen to audiobooks when I'm cleaning the house or cooking or when I'm driving the kids around, sometimes when I'm waiting for my kids at, you know, sports or piano lesson or something. So I really like that it can just go with me wherever I need to go. And it actually helps drown out outside noise, you know, with the earbuds, whereas reading, it, I need to be quiet, right? I, I need there to be quiet in order to read. So there are those advantages that are different from reading. Same question to you, Sylvia. So I think to Laura's point, I was looking up some of the statistics for audiobooks and the Audio Publishers Association mentioned that 
about 55% of audiobook readers, and that's of the population who reads audiobooks, which is a growing population, and I think it's forecasted for like double-digit growth. So a lot of people are, are reading more and more audiobooks. But of those people who are reading them, they said that 55% of them uh, listen to audiobooks at home and 30% or so listen to them in the car or on a commute. And so I was kind of surprised by that because I figured more people would listen to audiobooks while they're commuting, right? Especially if they have long commutes. And that's how I started listening to audiobooks. I used to have a 45 minute commute to work and it was a really good time just to kind of start reading a story and I would have like, I'm a captive audience in the car. But then the 55% at home made me wonder like, what are people doing? And if they broke this like data set down by gender, I would wager that there would be more women than men perhaps listening to audiobooks for whatever reason and doing different tasks, right? So working around the house or, you know, I don't know. I listen to them a lot when I do laundry and for the same reasons as Laura's, I just didn't have the time to like sit still when that time could be used, like doing other things I have to do. <laughs> So yeah, that's how I started reading it. And then I, I read both nonfiction and fiction. Laura, I think like my theory for why fiction is a little bit more trickier to follow than nonfiction is that nonfiction, I feel like I could pop in and out of like, a t if I'm distracted for a moment and I feel like I can still get the gist of what's happening. Whereas with fiction, especially if it's a more, a longer work, the plot can get like really complicated. And, you know, if I'm Thing. I'm like, wait, who is this character? Why did they do that? Wait, how did we end up in this like back alleyway? What's going on? You know, at any given point, I don't know whether a scene is really, really important or not. And I get lost much more quickly in that plot structure because it is structure. Whereas a lot of nonfiction, there is a structure, but I feel like the way that it is that people tell their life stories or about a situation, you can kind of like put it together a little bit. So yeah, that's how I got to reading it. And the last audiobook I read fiction was the the last one we talked about, The um, Magician by Colin mm -hmm. Tobin, who that was a big novel. And mm -hmm. there's no way I could have finished that just like sitting down and reading. I had to listen to it, but I had to really pay attention and like not read it again in bed and not listen to it in bed because then I would fall asleep. <laughs> well, laundry, was, I got so much laundry done because I was listening to that thing while I was like washing and folding laundry. <laughs> I have a good example about missing a plot point. One of the last mm. ones I listened to was, it's called We're All Beside Ourselves or something like that. And before reading it, I was told there is a twist, right? Something happens. No one told me what it was. You're not supposed to know. And then, so I'm listening, listening. And then all of a sudden, I was like, what? What happened? And I realized I was not paying attention during this like brief mention of whatever the plot twist was. And then, so I realized like chapters later that I missed something. So then I had to go back way back to try to catch uh -huh. it. And then I was like, oh, I see. And I think you're right, Sylvia. It's because you can miss those details that can make a really big difference in how the plot develops in some novels. Yeah, and I think that's actually leads to the next question about, is it reading? And I think I would say it's a different kind of reading. It's, it requires an attention to not just the voice, but an attention to your ability to imagine as the voice is going. And it's a voice that's disembodied from you, yet somehow embodied because you're paying attention, unless you're not paying attention and then you're 
missing something, you have to go back. Almost like if you're reading along or you're reading a book and you get, you know, you could kind of see the words and you're turning the page, see the words, turn the page, and then something to happen on a page and you go, whoa, 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 I missed something and you turn back. So it's almost, it's similar in that fashion because you're attending to it and it becomes almost like embodied in a way that reading does, especially when you're, at least for me, when I'm in the car, as you said, so it's like a captive audience. So, you know, I'm definitely listening, even if I'm focusing on the road, I'm also focusing on the voice and the story or whatever the action is in the story, or if it's nonfiction, whatever the ideals that are being built upon. I think there's a, a, some value to audio books that oftentimes I think in academia are viewed negatively because it doesn't seem like reading in terms of using your eyes to scan and make sense of words or make sense of symbols. And I, I just wonder where do you fall on that side? Do you think it's similar to reading? Would you ever assign an audio book to a class or to students and have them go through the same kind of process of note-taking and those type of things, but focusing mostly on their listening aspect? Or is that too much? No, that's a great question. Is it reading? Because I would contend that it is not the same it's same different, I guess, is how I would classify it. I do not read my own like research or scholarly research. I don't read that via listening because I know for myself, I retain, and I think there's research to support this for like traditional like reading skills, but I retain information much better when I'm reading something in a physical copy, right? So like even mm -hmm. though I might be able to recall certain moments from yeah. The Magician, for example, I might not be able to quote from specific turns of phrases the way I could from, you know, another book that I have read in person. When I read something like as like a physical copy, I can retain the words a little bit better than when I listen to it. And that's just been me for everything. You know, having said that, I think that reading via audiobook is a type of reading and it's one that I think has to do with access, right? Because not everybody mm -hmm. can see the words on the page. And so right. the thing that it does brain is very important, the way that it activates your brain. And I think it's doing that and it's kind of leading you to similar critical, you know, thinking skills, imagination, creativity. I think then it has done its purpose, you know, regardless of the modality that you're reading it in. But for me, I know that, you know, taking notes, I have to do that on like a physical copy, or even if it's like physical, but digital, like even that's helpful than just listening to it, which is very difficult for me to, to retain information that way. I agree. I think I don't, I don't remember details. I'll remember like, I call them nuggets, maybe a short phrase or something that was interestingly put or something, but I do have a hard time recalling based on listening, but I kind of liken it to maybe like I hear Frank, my husband will listen to like sports on the radio and like we'll be in the car together and they're, you know, whoever the announcer is describing what's happening. And I can hear the words, but I have zero idea what they're saying, <laughs> let alone imagine it. And again, going back to that idea of, I guess, training your ears. Mm -hmm. So maybe if I listen to it more, I could understand that better, but it just seems like almost a different, the medium almost makes it a different language almost. But I've also noticed that with my own kids, they listen to podcasts and they remember 
a lot mm -hmm. from these podcasts and out of the blue they'll be like hey mommy did you know and like pull out a random fact <laughs> so again i think it's because since they were little they've been listening to podcasts and their ears are trained to do that so i wonder as audiobooks become more prevalent, more, I don't know, accepted even as a form of reading that more of us will, I don't know, like develop different skills to retain information or, you know, use audiobooks in different ways than we have been using it. You know what I mean? So yeah. for example, like if you go to, you know, databases and they have some functions where they will read the article to you, right? And I mean, the text is there too, but I know a lot of students use that and I don't know if they're reading along while they're listening. So there's that difference too. But I do think it definitely is a way of developing your listening skills. <laughs> I don't know how that affects your reading skills, but... I think also it develops your imagination because you do attend a lot of readings. I know because I've attended them with you and, mm -hmm. at, you know, at literary readings, it's kind of similar. I've always thought it was very similar to listening. Like I grew up listening to baseball on the radio with my dad, like in the car, when we were driving to places mm -hmm. and the game would be on. And at first I was kind of like you, like I would tune out, like, oh, I don't understand. But then I realized I began to envision it like in my head, you know, what, you know, the pitcher would look like going up to the mound. And then, you know, I just could, and then he hits a double and I could see that happening, like someone rounding the base. And then I began to realize, oh, okay, like I get it. In the same way that when I started attending poetry readings, the first one I was like, I don't, I don't understand. I'm tuning out. But then it began clear <laughs> to things. But then at the same time, I also realized that who's reading it makes a big difference. And just like, for baseball, like games, the announcers make a big difference. And in some places, the announcer is famous. Like, I can't remember the Chicago Cubs guy. Yeah. So, like, that makes a big difference, too. And I think with audiobooks, sometimes I'll make my choice based off of who I know is reading it. Like, I started Will Smith's yeah. autobiography before the slap. And then <laughs> he, the slap heard around the world. And then he was narrating it. And it was just like watching Will Smith. You know, it was the same type of charisma that you would expect from him went into that book and I never finished it because then the slap happened and I just couldn't go back to it all I could like envision was like that but <laughs> just kind of ruined it because but <laughs> it did <laughs> so I think whoever's reading the audiobook it makes a big difference and I'm wondering for you guys like Kofi have you ever read an audio or listened to an audiobook where just the reader the reader is not doing it for you because I find that sometimes I actually prefer when the author themselves don't read the book and it's somebody else because I've been to some readings in person where I really like the book, but then as soon as the author reads the book, I'm like, nope, nope, not doing it. And I think maybe it's the <laughs> voice, but you know, I'm wondering for you guys if that has made a difference. It does make a difference for me. Like, I don't know if it's the authors per se that are doing the reading. One book that I read was How to Write a Novel by a guy named Nathan Bransford. And he has a really energetic voice. And so when I would drive in, especially if I was coming in early, listening to his voice kind of kept me a little bit upbeat. And it wasn't that he was saying something very novel or no pun intended, or something new, but I just liked the way he was reading his own book. And when I would go home, I would listen and follow along as he was reading. And it was a different kind of sensation. It's kind of like, and I, and I can only equate it to being a child, 
having someone teach you to read and you're like listening and following along with them. And I think that there's something still primal, I guess, in that experience that I still, but at the same time, if I'm at an event and someone's reading their paper, I'm immediately rolling my eyes and like, do you have any visual? Do you have anything that's gonna keep my mind from wandering? But I do think that there is something within your brain that happens if you're listening and following along as this reading is going, that is totally different. You're just listening and sort of getting absorbed into the, the narration. But yeah, it, it really does matter the reading voice and how that person hits his or her mark, which is probably why actors are better at reading writers' words than writers are reading their own words, in my humble opinion. Yes. I had some of the first few audiobooks I listened to were all memoirs by comedians because, and they read them, <laughs> right? Like Tina Fey, you know, Trevor Noah, Amy you know, Poehler. they read their own mm -hmm. memoirs. And, yeah, Amy Poehler. And I really love those because it really was like listening to their stand-up comedy or something like that, right? And I have to say, recently, I stopped listening to a book and bought a copy, a printed copy, because the book is called Edible Economics, and it's by a Korean economist, and the book is about economics about food around the world. And in the early chapter, in the like first chapter, he uses so many Korean food names in his talk about food. And the narrator just cannot say these no. words right. No. And I understand this is not a, obviously not someone who speaks Korean, but it was so annoying. I mean, it was so annoying. It was unforgivable. So I stopped listening. And honestly, it's kind of important. I don't, I don't Why know. Why can't it. they be somebody who speaks Korean? You mean to tell me there's that's no bilingual what I said. That's, that's right. false because the two of us are sitting right here. No, that's exactly right. That's why I stopped listening to it. And then now I regret I used my one audible, you know, credit to download that book. <laughs> I think to your point, Kofi and Laura, like, well, a couple of things that you said, one is actors being good readers. And so for our listeners who are looking to get, you know, into audiobooks, I think Laura's recommendation of starting with comedians is a great one. It's very entertaining, but even there's like a, blending of genres now. So I follow LeVar Burton's podcast, which is aptly titled LeVar Burton Reads. And it's literally just <laughs> him reading a short story. And he selects the short story in his team. And he's got impeccable taste because hello, he is reading Rainbow person. And so I actually assigned that to my creative writing students along with the hard copy, you know, because I know a lot of them are on the go and I want them to read it. And I doesn't matter what that man reads. He does such a good job. Like, yeah. doesn't matter if the narrative voice is female, male, a robot, an animal. Like, he just does such a good job, like, reading it. So, yeah, I mean, reading matters. And then my kids started listening to Storyline, I think is what it's called, with actors reading from their favorite children's stories. And it was mm. so good <laughs> that they still remember it. And kind of like you, Laura, yeah. I will try it out on audiobook. And if we really love it, I'll purchase it in the hard copy as well. But, mm -hmm. you know, like some of the stories they still remember because, you know, Alice and Janie or whoever was did such a good job. Yeah. Morgan Freeman does it for me too. Even though his voice can be, you know, <laughs> it, it's such a familiar voice, 
it still works for whatever reason. And I can just listen to him and just probably go to sleep, but not because he's boring, but because of the, the sonorous nature of his voice. And it's in the way he uses his voice is just in, in, impressive. I do wonder if the voice is either too high or too low, if that affects mm. how things go. And definitely if mm. they're reading non-English words, I, I would imagine that mm -hmm. can cause some mm -hmm. consternation, especially if they're messing up on those words. <laughs> Speaking of voices, I listened to Obama's memoir, the last one, the latest one, rather. And it's really long, right? And it's just hours and hours of Obama's voice in your ear. It's really lovely. <laughs> He reads really well. <laughs> and actually, so does uh, Michelle Obama too, her memoir too, yeah. I really like memoirs in audiobook form, yeah. especially when the author reads it. It's like they're telling you their life story, you know, they literally are, yeah. they're, they're telling you their yeah. life story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there are some people's voices I don't think I want to hear in an audiobook, you know, there's some, I don't want to say, cause it might get on the air and they might <laughs> sue me, but, uh, I don't know why people who watch this show. Oh, that's just when they'll watch him. Like, how dare him? I don't know. I, I, I don't think I could listen to a Jeff Foxworthy. It's not that I don't like Jeff Foxworthy. It's just I don't think I could sustain listening to his voice for an hour if he's not doing stand-up, if he's just like kind of reading a memoir or something of his life. And, That's true. You know, he may have the Southern drawl and the charm, but he doesn't strike me as the person that can keep my attention just listening to his voice. Whereas some who do podcasts like Chelsea Handler, I probably could listen to her voice, even though she, it kind of can be a bit, I don't know what the right word is. I don't Grady? want to say annoying. Grading, yeah. But I think she's funny. <laughs> And I think she yeah, uses yeah, yeah, her yeah, voice to create that impression. Right. So yeah, maybe comedians are the better, maybe the, it goes comedians, actors, <laughs> musicians, <laughs> then author. Because um, I imagine musicians can tell a good story too. Well, to be fair, I, I don't think I can I, hear I, my own voice reading. I, I cannot sit through audio myself, no. If I ever write a book and it has to be an audio book, I will not be the person reading it, that's for sure. I'll read your audiobook, Sylvia. Write it. Thanks. I was hoping you would volunteer. <laughs> no, you know, actually, I was going to say that I shared this before about how it's never occurred to me to download an audiobook of poetry. And when you go to, I tried it, I went to Audible and I just looked up poetry and I can only really find that are poetry like classics, right? Like Penguin classics of like Longfellow or Wordsworth or something. <laughs> but I don't see a whole lot of like contemporary poetry collections. I did find like a collection of Mary Oliver poetry, but, and she reads them, which I think is interesting. So I realized maybe that's not a widely sort of done thing where, po which I don't know why that would be because poets do readings in live events, right? But yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's not as widely um, spread there. A lot of times you will find like people will access like poetry online, like YouTube and even the audio online. And I think I ordered like for Christmas once or someone got me a gift of like the CD set of all these poets reading their own poems. But 
you know, rarely, I agree, you don't really see a lot of poetry books with the authors. And I feel like in poetry, you have to have the author reading their own poem, even though mm. one of the readings did attend the poet reading their poem just kind of ruined the poem for me. And that was a very rare <laughs> occasion. But, um, no. I think part of the reason for that is the economics behind audiobooks, right? Like these novels mm. that take hours and hours and hours to record. So when reading, you have to get into the sound booth, record, you know, reserve the sound engineer, all the equipment, all of that to make a really decent recording. And I think it's tied around like the units of books that you're expected to move and, you know, market. So I feel like part of that has mm. to do with the fact that poetry is not as widely consumed as fiction, right. you know, and right. what the exception of some poets like Mary Oliver or some of these Mary wildly, Oliver, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. like anthologized poets who have you know now passed away before the whole advent of audiobooks became a thing. So I think that's part of the reason. But I, mm -hmm. I wonder yeah, if maybe that makes sense. Future, yeah, it, we we will see more of that maybe. Stephen Colbert actually reads short stories very well, especially Flannery O'Connor. Oh. He read one of her. I can't remember the name of it, but he, he I liked it. And it made me want to reread that story again. So there is something about hearing other people's reading, especially if they do it well. You want to sort of go back to that text and see, you know, if you can feel the same kind of energy that you're feeling when you're hearing that reader read. So at least that was for me. But I guess it's almost time for us to wind down and um, yeah. yeah, and you could catch us on YouTube. Dragon, <laughs> Dragon, Exactly. That's exactly where you can catch us. Good, Sylvia. You answered the question. I it was a test. Dragondigitalradio.podbean.com <laughs> and on Bookish YouTube and our Bookish Facebook page. You can catch us in all those places. You can catch us. Thanks for All joining right. us. To the loo. Good listening and reading. And like. <laughs> Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.